developing digital news platform that offers our readers and listeners the top headlines and stories affecting black consumers in Arkansas and the U.S. I'm your host, Angel Bird, BCN's Chief Creative Officer and co-producer of this show. I also want to introduce our co-host, Wesley Brown, BCN's publisher and executive director. Wes is a longtime publisher. Um, I think my music just went off. <laughs> right in the middle. That was our, that was our new BCN jam. Yeah, it okay. Is. Yeah. Really, <laughs> hey, I was really by a local producer. Yes. Our yes. Yes. Good good to be here. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, Wes is also the publisher of the Daily Record Journal here in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And um, tell us about this top story this week for, for the Daily Record. Oh, well, we are, uh, we did a story last week, of, of course, on uh, uh, the downtown development in the uh, Main Street Corridor on and just where uh, we're seeing development in some areas and uh, due to... Uh, the opportunities on monies and then in other areas we're not seeing so much development 12th street uh the dunbar historic neighborhood community kind of contrasting that and uh very important very important information people need to make sure that they're informed uh about um, gentrification and how it works and and affects our communities Mm -hmm. uh, especially the black communities and and really understand what gentrification is all about and how we can come up with um, resources and solutions to kind of offset it and do better by our own communities as well right and this week we uh uh, our um, top story was about something Leon knows. Uh, oh, Heidi, we you haven't even introduced Leon. So. Oh, not yet. But but uh, <laughs> we also have a very special guest in the studio with us, Leon Jones Jr., a native of Pine Bluff, Arkansas, uh, who was named the executive director of the Arkansas Fair Housing Commission on June the tenth. 2019 by Governor Asa Hutchinson. That's Welcome, right. That's Leon. right. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here. Leo, Leon is also the former Arkansas Labor Department Director, and he serves on several boards and commissions, including the Arkansas Housing Trust Fund. Uh, he is a past commissioner of the Arkansas Fair Housing Commission and the Fayetteville Housing Authority. Um, uh, as He's I read, got a lot of hats. Well, I, I was going <laughs> to say, you know, I, I, I read an article about you in the Arkansas Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and you talk about your uh, um, serendipity kind of lifestyle and yeah. kind of been through a lot of things. And we're going to be talking about sure. all the wonderful uh, things that you, you, you've done, continue to do, and kind of that background where all that comes from. And, and where and it's who, going. And where it is going, <laughs> no doubt, especially in the political arena. I think the whole entire, um, you know, uh, especially the United States of America is on fire as far as politics and, and political arena is concerned unlike you know in any other time before and and i'm sure that uh you would definitely help give us some enlightenment in all of the areas and concerns that we are going through right now here in our country and uh which is all very important right Russ? right and uh, uh going back to our top story at the daily record we're talking about uh, the recent numbers unemployment numbers uh we went from 6.3 down to 4.2 percent this week, uh, as a former labor director, you know the importance of our our workforce, and we're starting to see the numbers come back to pretty close to pre-pandemic levels. So uh, right. we're starting to still still a lot of jobless claims out there, but uh, Governor Hutchinson has done a great job in in bringing jobs, keeping jobs in the state, and bringing it back. But Absolutely. there's still still a lot of work to we're gonna talk about. We're not gonna get into that today, but we're. Uh, uh, that's just one of our top stories that we're reporting sure. on this week. 
Absolutely, and not to mention that uh, Leanne is also one of the top advisors for for Governor Hutchinson. I think that's a very important attribute uh, to add to the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of know, kind of firsthand, kind of what's going, the ins and outs of what's going on politically uh, uh, at our very top is as far as the governor is uh, concerned here in the city of Little Rock, for sure. In the state, in of, the, Arkansas. In the state of Arkansas, for sure. Th the, took the words right out of my mouth, Wes. Thank you very <laughs> much. <laughs> Thank you very much. So we're going to begin our show and discuss how Biden's vaccine distribution plan looks different from former President uh, Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed. So we're going to take a, a, a little, listen to a little sound clip that President uh, Biden um, had this week uh, signing the executive order regarding the vaccine. Okay. All righty. When I say, when, when I say that people ask wartime, I say, yeah, more than 400,000 Americans have already died. I think it's 411 or 12 have died in one year of this pandemic. More than all the people who died in all the Americans who died in World War II. This is a wartime undertaking. It's not hyperbole. And we believe that we'll soon be able to confirm the purchase of an additional 100 billion doses for each of the two FDA-authorized vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna. That's 100 million more doses of Pfizer and 100 million more doses of Moderna. 200 million more doses than the federal government had previously secured. Not in hand yet, but ordered. It'll be enough to fully vaccinate 300 Americans to beat this pandemic, 300 million Americans. And this is an aggregate plan that doesn't leave anything on the table or anything to chance as we've seen happen in the past year. All right, and that was President Biden talking about the distribution of uh, all the doses that are going to be coming out and how many doses, additional doses that have been purchased. And one thing that keeps, um, you know, kind of um, become questionable to me is the idea of this war uh, analogy that he's he's using. And and um, so I'm I'm, I'm going to ask, uh, what what is why is both administrations kind of referring to you got warp speed now he's talking about with Trump and then now we're talking about wartime mm -hmm. with Biden. And so let's talk about that and kind of give some some um, clarity on kind of why that seems to be um, well, well, while well, we're talking about war. Well, I, I think the, the, the reason behind that is because when you have a such a large undertaking, uh, you have the two largest uh, federal bureaucracies, the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, which houses the CDC and about uh, 11 other smaller right. agencies, and then you have the Pentagon. Uh, mm -hmm. And when you look at uh, under President Trump, uh, he had uh, uh, General Honore uh, was the leader of, the, of his, uh, uh, General Perna was the leader of his Operation Warp Speed. and. Uh, you have to understand that it takes uh, a military, both, I guess, both believers, both leaders believe it takes the military to get it out. You've got 300 people that you have to get the, the vaccine to all the way down to the local community. So uh, the, it, there is a belief that the military uh, is best able to handle that. If you look at World War II and the preparations of war, they are, have the supply chain, they have the supply mechanism, they have the, uh, the, the people to be able to get the, those doses, the 200 million doses, uh, 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 actually 300 million doses is gonna take, 600 million doses 
because you have to take two doses. So to get that to the people and get it in an effective manner, uh, it, it's, it's a military operation. So uh, I think that's where you hear the military uh, analogy. He also talked about the number of deaths uh, surpasses those of, of World War II. So uh, that's where you, you come, come in with that. You need that kind of uh, uh, leadership and, and people, uh, even in Arkansas, President, uh, I mean, Governor Asa Hutchins has named, uh, I think it's a Colonel Ata uh, to lead the effort in Arkansas. So you have a military person in Arkansas that's going to handle getting it out to all 75 counties. Arkansas has 75 counties. So you have to be able to get those vaccine uh, to those communities in an effective manner. That's why. And let me mention, Wesley, that you are listening to KABF 88.3 FM. And if you want to join our conversation with your questions, uh, I think someone is always <laughs> already joining us. Please call us here at 501-433-0088. Caller, are you there? Yeah, hi. I was calling, I was trying to figure out a show from Nevermind the Morning Show this morning. Um, <laughs> did y'all post playlists? Oh, oh, I think you're on the wrong... Uh, yeah, 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 we're oh. live right now in the air, but you're more than welcome to tune in and join in. All right, thank you so much for calling. That's okay. All right, it looks like we had another caller. Let's see. Caller, are you there? Hello, how y'all doing this morning? How's that? Good morning. Well, Miss Bird, you and my brother's class. Your husband is in my class. Okay. And Leon is... Uh, Okay. All right. Well, um, thanks for the call, and I'm sorry I didn't catch his name, but he said that his son was a Kappa, so I think that he's a, a good man in my book. Um, but to the gentleman's um, first point on the uh, FSS program, um, that program that um, when I was a commissioner at the um, Fayetteville Housing Authority, we had talked about some of that and um, bringing some of those dollars to uh, the city of Fayetteville and the uh, county of Washington, Washington County, Arkansas. I think it's a great program for individuals who, you know, want to establish home ownership, wants to establish credit. And, you know, I don't want to talk too much about the program because I'm five years removed from the, um, <laughs> the agency now. And so I'm sure things have progressed and things have changed since I've been there. But sure. I think it's a great program. And I think anybody should be able to go probably to HUD.gov and get more information on that program. And the same with the Section 8 voucher home, uh, home ownership program. Right. Um, that program is viable. I think um, 
city of Little Rock um, uh, Metro Housing Authority. I think that they are doing a phenomenal job with their Section 8 program and all, all the housing authorities around Arkansas. When I, again, when I was a commissioner, when I was a board member at the um, Fayetteville Housing Authority, we worked a lot with housing authorities throughout the, um, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, the Section 8 program was phenomenal for people who couldn't otherwise find um, places to live right. uh, yeah. that were affordable. Yes. And, um, and so that moves into the affordable housing you know, moderately priced housing market that is growing and that hopefully some of the um, tax credits can mm -hmm. be used to develop that um, th through those programs. And we're going to talk later about a memorandum in, that was signed by President Biden about discriminatory housing practices and policies right. as well. So we'll be coming back around to that uh, also. So, but getting back to the um, vaccines, um, and we're talking about, you know, 600 million. That's a lot of money that we're about to spend in this country. And I want to know where is that money going to be coming from? Who's going to be benefiting from all of that money? Because it's a lot. I mean, when you're talking about 600 million doses. Well, you got to look first of all, you got to look at your own pocketbook because that's where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. You've had the CARES Act, which is $2.2 trillion uh, that was passed. Uh, you had the the uh, Consolidated uh, Appropriations Act that was passed just before Christmas on the 27th of December. That's another $900 billion. Uh, President Biden is proposing an, another stimulus package that's uh, uh, $1.9 trillion. Mm -hmm. And the Federal Reserve has increased its liquidity. So uh, we're talking about uh, $10 trillion that we're on the hook for uh, now. So that's uh, where that money is coming from. Uh, and, 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 you know, Moderna and Pfizer, some, they got to be paid. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I think the Moderna dose is about $30 per dose. So you multiply that 30 times a, a hundred million, uh, <laughs> you, you, that's $30 billion. And then uh, he just ordered 200 more million more doses. So that you doubles that, that's $90 million. Uh, Moderna was a small company before this. Right, right. <laughs> Pfizer is a, is a huge uh, pharmaceutical giant, but uh, 90 billion still is a, is a, a nice little uh, pocket change for a company of that size. So that money is coming directly from the American taxpayer. We are paying for this, and, and our children will likely be paying for this. Well, that's a whole lot of money, so we need to make sure that we're a whole lot informed um, about the vaccine and keeping up on everything that's going on, mm -hmm. um, even more so now than, than ever, I think, because that, that you know, billions of dollars, uh, again, like you said, that we are accountable for, that we need to know uh, where, they're, where it's coming from and um, what, what, what we're doing with it, for sure. Right. Uh, I want to talk about the local level now as coronavirus cases continue to stretch uh, hospital capacities in the natural state. Governor Hutchison uh, and Little Rock Mayor um, Frank Scott outlined further details um, about the um, coronavirus distribution and we're going to be having a um, town hall meeting on February the 3rd. Uh, the yeah, facts, know the facts about the um, coronavirus and uh, so what do you think that um, Mayor Scott will have to say um, about, you know, his address is coming up, I think, on the 1st. What do you think he's going to be saying about um, all of the corona well, I issues? Think, I think, well, you know, the issue for, for our black community, mm -hmm. and I think uh, heard uh, uh, many in the black community stress the, the importance to the black community of getting in, in his press release that I, uh, I got a copy of the mayor's press release about this announcement, and he stressed that, that about getting the vaccine 
to the community of colors where there is a high level of distrust uh, due to past experiences with, with the, uh, we have a disproportionate number of people who, black people who get COVID. Uh, we also have a distrust of the healthcare system, disparities in the healthcare system, and also that whole incident called Tuskegee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that, uh, all of those issues has made it uh, 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 skeptical. I, my own church had a discussion on this, and mm -hmm. I would say one third of my church is, is, is not uh, committed to getting the vaccine. So that's, that's the discussion that we're having at our dinner tables in our black community and our churches, and now, uh, uh, Mayor Scott is going to address that issue head on, and, and I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. So. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that we in the black community have to realize is that we have to educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, and with Mayor Scott coming out with his address and information, the town hall that's coming up, the information that's been coming from the governor's office. I think we have to stop just relying on word of mouth mm -hmm. and actually go and seek the information for ourselves. Yeah, so we make informed decisions. Exactly, make an informed decision. And that's that's what's holding us back. I know when I first heard about the vaccine and we started hearing back up March last year, April last year about the vaccine coming out, all of us were skeptical. How are they gonna create a vaccine in less than a year yeah. mm -hmm. in order to get us through this pandemic? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the Operation Warp Speed has worked the way it's supposed to have worked. They created these vaccines. A third one is coming out. I think um, yeah. Johnson & Johnson or- Yeah, and AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca, both, both exactly. And so thir three and four other vaccines are coming out. And we need to educate ourselves on, on getting the vaccine, why should we get the vaccine, and how to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. That's another piece yeah. to the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the state has a three-phase plan right. uh, on the Governor Hutchinson where and we're now seeing that the, 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 you know, the first responders were the first, the people, the healthcare workers on the front lines were the first. And now we're in that second tranche uh, where we're seeing people, the nursing home community and people over 70. So right. you're starting to see that. But I also saw a study that uh, of the 3 million people in the state of Arkansas, only less than 10% have gotten the vaccine. So. It's going to take a while. Right. It, it, and then you still got that population who doesn't want to get it. So that's it's going to take some convincing uh, for people to get that, uh, 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 to convince that part of the population, including the black community, uh, to uh, that that's going to be a big part of, the, of this process. That's right. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, I think like you were saying, Leon, people need to make sure that they're that they stay informed. Um, but a lot of fear is, is out there with people as, as well. Um, and, and people, as Wesley was saying, are, are thinking about Tuskegee amongst, uh, you know, amongst other things that black people have had to um, deal with in this country, which makes, you know, a, a lot of people um, um, uh, to some, some degree skeptical about um, the vaccine. And I think, um, again, doing your research, being, you know, participating in these town hall meetings, participating in local meetings um, will help, again, uh, keep us educated and, and aware, for sure. Right. And I think one of the other pieces that we have to understand is to this puzzle, not only the vaccine, but the protocols, right? Staying your distance, wearing your mask, washing your hands, mm -hmm. you know, put those protocols in place until you can get the vaccine, because that's hugely important to keep the numbers down, mm -hmm. in, especially in communities of color. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing that. I've seen situations where, uh, you know, the people in one family wiped out 
Right. And then one family didn't touch. You know, right. they got had some, you know, just kind of cold-like symptoms. Right. So we don't know, still don't know, you know, in part of that education, we still don't know the impact of COVID. Right. We exactly. still don't Especially know. the long-term impact yeah. of COVID. Yeah, exactly. So. Right. Absolutely. Um, another thing I want to talk about and discuss is another executive order of, of President Biden's was to strengthen the Medicaid and their affordable act, the CARE Act, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and talk about, um, you know, when I saw that, I was like, okay, he's reinstating it, but it, it never left, right? So exactly why did he have to reinstate it, and what is he reinstating well, you as have far to, as the CARES Act is concerned? Well, you have to understand, uh, in the first week of, mm -hmm. uh, since uh, President Biden was inaugurated, mostly what he's done is governed by executive order. Uh, you know, the, 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 the question that, that people always say about going back to President uh, Barack Obama and Trump, there was not much legislation passed during those administrations, so they had to govern by executive order. So Trump, people say Trump did this too. When he first got in, he said, I'm going to start rolling back everything that uh, uh, because uh, Barack Obama said he couldn't get things done through the legislative end, so he passed executive orders. Mm -hmm. Trump came in and rolled back almost every single one of Barack Obama's executive orders. So what you're seeing in the first week, I think there has been 30 executive orders. I think so. Uh, in the first first week. So he's rolling back nearly every one of, of, of Trump's major executive orders. So what this does is get it back to where it was four years ago when uh, when Barack Obama left office. And, and the thing about uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act, which people, which we also know has been known as Obamacare, is that Arkansas passed what's called Arkansas Work. And it has a work requirement, and we were the first state to do that. So what uh, President Biden's uh, executive order rolls back, many of those exceptions mm -hmm. that Trump that put in place, okay. uh, those uh, like uh, requirements that, that you work and other requirements. So Trump is rolling back many of the, so pe it'll make it easier uh, for people out there that on Medicaid or uh, to get a, a, a federal health, get on a federal health care exchange. So that is what that's all about. All right. And then also there was another um, order um, that was um, signed as far as, and coming back around to this, um, uh, the discriminatory uh, house, um, uh, housing, excuse me, practices and policies. Um, and so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, and that, that has to do with fair housing. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So um, re readdressing that again. So how does, so, so when I, when you think about, um, having to deal with fair housing and um, going back to you know redlining and, and those sorts of things and talking about uh, you know people not feeling um, secure about even with the vaccine and all those things that we've experienced as far as um, systemic racism is concerned some of the skeptics say and then now you're coming in and you're saying fair, fair housing as far as um, you know actually Fair housing being one of the, you know, things that build wealth in this in this country, mm -hmm. and so um, how do we kind of uh, continue to kind of shift that in a more direction towards, you know, black 
home ownership and what is this executive order? Um, how will it be able to, to help and, in those just, arenas just and in that I, area? Just as like. I earlier said, uh, and, and, and Leo can speak to this, it rolls back some of the fair housing and, and different administrations look at fair housing in different ways. Okay. The Trump administration believed that that communities, local communities, could have more control over how you choose where housing goes and, and, and the fair housing issues. Whereas uh, 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 Biden and Obama uh, wanted to do it more from the federal level. So this rolled back Trump's uh, hood orders and uh, uh, other things. It also extended the federal moratorium eviction ban uh, to, it was supposed to end in Sunday. Three, yeah, it's supposed to end Sunday, and yeah. now it goes through February now. So. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I forget the exact date in February, maybe the 28th or yeah, whatever, yeah. but at least another month. Right. Um, and you're absolutely right, and I know one of the things, when I came to the Fair Housing Commission in uh, July of 2019, we had, well, we have, we've already had, we've always had the mandate. I was a commissioner first and now the executive director. But of course, the mandate is to investigate issues of discrimination mm -hmm. as it relates to housing. And one of the things I will say is that, you know, you're absolutely right as it relates from a federal and a state perspective and mm -hmm. how housing is looked at under mm -hmm. different administrations. But our mandate never changed. Right. And I was appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. um, I had a very short discussion with then Secretary uh, Ben Carson mm -hmm. um, around and that's housing. The HUD Secretary. HUD Secretary, I apologize. HUD Secretary, uh, former HUD Secretary Ben Carson, mm -hmm. um, about housing and housing discrimination mm -hmm. back in 2019. And, you know, the man, the, I say mandate, but the re the requirements or the uh, marching orders, if you will, were the same to mm -hmm. investigate issues of discrimination to make sure that people are getting a fair shake, as it were, um, from housing. And right. they weren't discriminated against based upon certain criteria. Right, right. And you know, the, the, the issue that one of the things people are talking about with these uh, uh, moratoriums that, uh, and, uh, and I think Biden is actually talking about extending that all the way to September with the, mm. if he passes the new bill. And what people don't know is that at some point, you got to pay that bill. Exactly. And right now, we're seeing that people who are under that federal moratorium, some of the average, and I just saw a report, did a story on this, is that the average in arrears that people owe is 90 days. Mm -hmm. wow. So so when that ban ends, those, those, those monies are due. Those landlords are going to be coming and saying, I need my three months. And if you extend it until September, that, that arrears is going to get bigger right so let's say you owe uh you're paying eight hundred dollars a month in rent and, and and when that eviction ban ends then that's thirty six hundred dollars you got to come up with it doesn't mean you ain't got to pay right <laughs> it means it that, just means that you don't have to pay right now exactly so it, these policies i understand the policy of extending the eviction moratoriums but if you don't have something that helped those people uh uh, to, to be able to pay, then yeah. you're just putting them in a deeper hole. Uh, and, and, and I think that's where you see the difference in, in, in how, from the Republican to the Democrat, how you attack those issues. Right. You know, and I don't know if the ex continuing to extend those is, is, the, is the proper kind of policy without having some other 
uh, things to go along with that. And right. Arkansas doesn't really have strong renters' rights um, at all. Yeah, Any, that, anyway, that's going to come up. In, that's going to come up in the legislature this. That's right. Well, and I think, and I'll, I'll say one of the things. Um, if anyone's listening out there and they need more information about rental in, uh, assistance, please give our office a call. Or look us up Thank on you. at arfairhousing.com um, because we can give you some information there. Um, there were some. Um, um, regulations going around um, earlier in the fall and in the summer that talked about giving some rental assistance and it was a unique program because the rental assistance actually goes straight to the landlord right and so the landlord actually gets the money and so it kind of it, it protects the tenant you know right. some people say well the tenant should get the money and mm -hmm. but I think that it's a very good program because it protects the tenant it, it assures that the landlord gets the funds yeah. and it assures that the tenant is um, getting credit for the funds mm -hmm. and so everybody wins yeah, yeah and that's the great program. information and the thing is as a, as a former landlord I gotta pay if I'm pay, if I have a mortgage. I gotta still that's gotta right. pay that. That's right. And and that's what you know. Uh, that's the issue out there that a lot of people are facing is, uh, uh, you know, everybody can, is hurting from COVID. You that's know? right. Uh, so it's an interesting situation. So that's fairhousing.com. Arfairhousing.com. Okay, arfairhousing.com. If mm -hmm. you want to get more information about any sort of. Rental, Rental assistance. assistance. Okay. Yes, Program, the programs that are out there, we can definitely uh, direct you in the right place. Okay, perfect. That's that's wonderful information to know. You listen to KABF eighty eight point three. This is Black Consumer News of Arkansas. Um, I'm Angel Bird. I'm here with Wesley Brown and also with Mr. Leon Jones Jr. All righty, and thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Uh, we've having a great conversation. If you want to join in on the conversation, please give us a call here at 501-433-0088. Uh, now, let's talk about Arkansas politics. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> shift it around a little yeah. bit. Mm. Uh, um, there's a great potential in 2022 for Arkansas to see its first woman uh, governor and first black elected um, state officials. Uh, one of those possible history makers is sitting right here in our studio with us, Mr. Uh, Leon Jones himself. Uh, Wesley's going to do uh, give us a little background history on, mm -hmm. on Leon. And, uh, well, and well, we've, we've kind of went over his, his resume. Yes. But uh, but I've known Leo for 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 Personal long time, background, yeah, I say. yeah, and just seeing seeing how he's been behind the scenes, you know, in terms of being a, a one of the youngest uh, uh, advisors to Governor Hutchinson. Uh, I, I remember when uh, last uh, two years ago, when Governor Hutchinson changed his administration, kind of downsized it. The the first thing he said, and he knew that even in in shrinking his administration. He said he didn't want to lose Leon. Uh, you could have went into the the, uh, the private sector because you've seen people like Tom Mars who and, and Leon's in the, the attorney. Uh, uh, he who have went. He became. He went to Walmart. Right. Went to work. You had. I want to. My first question is: You had an option two years ago to to do other things. Why did you? He stay. Uh, and and Governor Hutchins said, "I want to keep Leon on because he's a." Uh, a, a strong asset, and I want to hear have him in my ear, uh, have him as part of my illustration. Why did you stay? And uh, uh, tell us about that decision. Sure. Well, and um, you know, I appreciate the question because 
it, it was a tough decision. Mm -hmm. You know, I had done about four years in the administration. I was the uh, director of the Department of Labor, and it was a great position to have, and I met a lot of good people around the state, and I did have some opportunities to go out into the private sector. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to continue my service to Governor Hutchinson and to the state of Arkansas particularly yeah. because I enjoy serving the state. I enjoy helping people. You know, it really it – really I'll, I'll use the word, it really blesses me mm -hmm. when I can get a phone call from someone who says, hey, I need some help with X, Y, or Z, mm -hmm. and then a couple of hours or a couple of days later, they receive the help that they seek. Right. And with me being in the position that I am, in the position that I had, I had access to people that the ordinary population doesn't have access to. Right. And I think it's important for people like myself who have that type of access to be able to share it right. and to be able to utilize that access for the for the greater good. Right. And that's probably that's the reason why I stay. Right. And and you know one of the greatest advocates. Uh, for the people of uh, Arkansas is the Attorney General. Right. I've got a card here <laughs> in my hand that says Le elect Leon Jones Jr. Attorney General for the state of Arkansas. Now, first thing I'm going to ask you, are we now official? Yes. <laughs> so, we're, we're now official. So, so Leon, uh, uh, I, I think that is, uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, uh, Leon is a uh, uh, running for he if, if if when he wins this this uh, office he will be the first elected statewide black official in the state of Arkansas. Uh, I want to tell you how did you come to that decision? I know I know you you've got a brother uh, uh, Chris Jones who's a Democrat, right? And uh, I know your wife uh, 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 she runs a business. She's got a lot of things going on in your life. Right? How did you come to that decision and? Uh, uh, just kind of giving you, you you're coming from and people are going to ask you this question you're coming from the GOP right you're, and you're coming from that side how did you come to that decision and 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 why is the time is right for you okay so uh, I, you're right I am a Republican mm. I have been a Republican since I voted for uh, George W Bush for governor in Texas mm -hmm. back in the back in the late 90s right and um, you know I won't get into all of that background but what I will say is I'm running as a Republican because I believe in this state. Mm -hmm. I believe in our country. And as a person who grew up in a household of ministers, we believe in faith, we mm -hmm. believe in family, mm -hmm. we believe in country. Right. And my service, as I just spoke about a moment ago, my service to the state of Arkansas will have the most impact, in my opinion, through this position. Right. Um, because to your point, the the laws that are passed by the uh, legislature are are executed through the governor's office, but they're defended through mm -hmm. the attorney general's office. Right. And so the attorney general has a huge impact on how those laws are defended, how those laws uh, could be written. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to work with the legislators and help them draft legislation that will have the biggest impact on all of the citizens right. of Arkansas. Right. And I think it's important for us to be able to do that. And and so that's one of the reasons why I'm running for attorney general, uh, among a, f a few others. But uh, that's that's one of the main reasons. I think we have a caller on the line. Caller, are you there? Hey, hotel. Greetings. Uh, Brother Jones, this is Commissioner Lowe. Yes, sir. How are you? How you, how you doing? D never better, sir. How are you? All right. Miss Bird, you were in my brother's cars class. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but I, what I want to say is I've dealt with Leon for probably about eight years. And, and I hope folks don't get caught up in the label, okay? 
Um, me, I'm going to let you know where you stand. You can agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. But I'm calling to say that, brother, you have my support. You know me. Yes, sir. Uh, and that, uh, you know, I don't get hung up on labels. I deal with the person. But for the listening audience, listening audience give this brother a chance. I appreciate give him that. A chance. All right. But you got my support. Peace right. and blessings, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you so much. You got a guy, you got you got I got I get, look, I got three voters now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna start uh quick go back to what kind of what he pointed to as as a as an independent, uh, you know, I, I I have never uh totally trusted either party. I'm I'm up at the state capitol, I see how the the workings and I know from my experience, uh, I, I love the work of Governor Hutchinson. Sure. I agree and, with and him. And Leon has voted on both sides, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. I mean, you have to. And I think that's very you, you have to vote for the person. Yeah, yes. and, uh -huh. and, and Governor Hutchinson has, uh, is getting a, a big attack from his, from his right flank. And now we're in a situation where the, the Republican Party, and it's a good time for Republicans because you have a, a majority in the House, a mm -hmm. majority in the Senate. Mm -hmm. the, the state Supreme Court is, is majority Republican. You've got mm -hmm. the executive branch. So... Uh, and and there are some historical things in the Democratic Party not to give black people a chance, and, and many other things, such as the, the Robert E. Lee and Martin Luther King, that was on the Democratic administration. So, right. and I don't want to like you, I don't want to get in there, but I want to want to ask you, uh, going for what some of the policies that you think uh, 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 that you are, are going to embrace as the, the, the new Arkansas Attorney General. So one of the things is definitely working with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I want to make sure that I get an opportunity to speak with as many law enforcement agencies as possible over the next two years almost um, in campaigning. But then definitely once I am elected to this position to work with law enforcement agencies on the state, local and even federal level right. to make sure that. In, in the uh, Attorney General's office, whatever tools and resources we have to help them, we mm -hmm. want to help them do their job. Right. Um, they do a phenomenal job, but there's always tools and resources that can be utilized on different levels that can help, and especially in smaller communities. Right. You know, I went to um, I went when I was a very young young person, uh, sec well, was it second, third, fourth grade. I was uh, at Alzheimer Alzheimer uh, Elementary. My yeah. mother was a school teacher there. There's a very small community in Arkansas mm -hmm. that they could probably use some resources from the attorney general's office to help bolster their law enforcement agency. And so I want to be able to work with those local types of law enforcement agencies. That's one of the, that's one of the things I want to do. And then make, make sure that as a voice for the people, protecting them through consumer protection and putting bad guys away, right? People mm -hmm. who are defrauding individuals, making sure that they will be put away and never to, to prey on, especially our elderly again. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be able to work through all those issues um, and bringing technology and innovation to the office to make sure that every part of the state is represented, represented through the AG's office. Uh, one of the things in, in, in interesting this week in, in and, and having this show, and we didn't even know it was going to happen with, with you being on this show. We had planned it, uh, but the announcement this week uh, at, at the, uh, the next highest level, uh, the governor's race, uh, right. Sarah Huckabee announced that she was running the governor. What uh, I wanted to ask you about with one of the things that uh, uh, Governor Hutchins said, sometimes you have to, you know, when you campaign, that's a different thing, but when you govern, traditionally the governor has has uh, ha has to be center or center right or center left, whatever you you come from. In governing, uh, I understand you 
you have a, a GOP constituent. How are you going to deal with that when there's, there is some leanings in the party in the pro-Trump uh, vote got 63 in the potato? How are you going to deal with, with reaching out to that, but also being who you are uh, right. at, 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 in terms of campaigning? Yeah, so I think from a campaign perspective, my position is to campaign in all 75 counties, some of which are more heavily Republican-leaning, some of which are more Democratic-Republican-leaning. But even during the primary, my goal is to campaign in every single county because every single person needs an opportunity to be able to vote for me. Right. And and I want to give them that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I want to give myself an opportunity to meet as many people as possible because relationships knows no label, mm-hmm. right? If I have a good relationship with you, just like um, Mr. Lowe said, if I have a good relationship with you, it doesn't matter whether I'm a Democrat or Republican. It just matters that, okay, this person has my best interest in mind. Right. And so that's my goal. Once elected, it's the same goal, right. is to be able to be the attorney general for everybody in the state, mm. not just the GOP, not just the Democrats. And I think most people in the GOP understand that. Right. Most people in the GOP understand that there are things that, as a Republican, I don't want government overreach. Right. I want less regulation. I want less taxes. But also, as a Republican, as the attorney general for everybody, everybody needs to be protected Everybody needs to feel safe. Everybody needs to be educated on what the office does. Right. Uh, you have, a, a, you know, you, you've got that legal background and you've already got uh, some, some experience in, uh, uh, in governing, uh, being a policymaker, being, knowing the legislature, knowing how it's worked. In, in terms of running for office and campaigning, uh, how will that strength uh, put you above the other people that that in your own party, but also uh, if the Democrats decide to put someone on that on that ticket. Well, I mean, you alluded to it. The fact that I have run two state agencies, the fact that I have carried budgets um, for the last six years, the fact that I have dealt with and are and still deal with personnel issues, all of those things put me head or shoulders um, above whomever that, that decides to run. Um, I don't know who's going to run. I haven't heard. There's only rumors and innuendo right now, so I can't I can't speak to who that might be. But I know for me, my experience, and not only my experience in state government, my experience in owning a small business, mm-hmm. currently and formerly, yeah. when I had my own law firm, mm-hmm. it was just a one man show, and I was everything from janitor to chief litigator, you know. And so I was able to do that, and th- so that experience and the experience that I had in corporate America, mm-hmm. when I was able to uh, work for one of the largest companies in the world and was able to understand what that looks like behind the scenes. So Mm -hmm. I have a wealth of experience. And lest we forget, I also taught high school English. (laughs) And so I've been in the trenches. (laughs) And and so when you when you get that type of experience and you've dealt with people from 16 all the way to 66, you understand how to deal with people. You understand the importance of relationships. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. The relationship matters most. Well, I think that's a very um, bold statement that you know you've thrown your hat in first, <laughs> so you have you have a wealth, you have a wealth of confidence that that's for sure, um, and you definitely have a well-rounded um, experience. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, being from Pine Bluff, and um, you know a Delta area, and and being a black man, and 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 coming back home, if you will, um, to do all the things that you've done. And, and I want you to speak to kind of where does that 
kind of come from um, as far as um, I think I read that you you went you went to the workforce first and then came back around to be an attorney you you, you attended an HBCU and I think what my mindset is going right now what I'm thinking is that okay you 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 you're from Pine Bluff. You go to the uh, you know Pine Bluff um, HBCU, and there's so many other young people that are right here in the city. We have four black um, colleges, historically um, black colleges here in the city, and a lot of them don't choose to 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 go um, to those schools, and, and they have a little bit of a stigma on them as well. Um, and 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 they're right here at home, and it's a it's a great opportunity. Obviously, a person like you uh, is very is is it's proof of that, right? So kind of where does that come from? Speak to young people that may be listening now and the importance of, you know, choosing to go to school at home and even choosing to go to a, a HBCU as well. Sure. So, you know, it was uh, it was an easy decision for me to go to a HBCU. Yeah. It was a hard decision to figure out which one. Mm-hmm. Um, my, both of my parents are a product of uh, AM&N College, um, uh, UAPB. And and so we, from a very young age, you know how you say in the in the Baptist church, from an early age he was baptized, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know but that. from a very early age, I was I grew up on campus. I grew up at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. I mean, I went to preschool there, uh, daycare, and so on and so forth. And so it was just in my DNA to go to a HBCU, and and I chose UAPB in large part. Not because my parents went there, but because all of my friends from high school were going there. And so we just didn't want to break up the crew. Um, And so, but the experience that I had at at, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff is not not an experience that I would trade for anything. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Grambling, uh, Morehouse, and and those are the schools that I had applied to and I had an opportunity to go, but I chose to stay home because, one, I was familiar with home. Two, it was much cheaper uh, to stay home. And uh, and three, I felt that that gave me the best opportunity to succeed. Um, I had the good fortune of being elected uh, freshman class president when I was there. I had the uh, good fortune of being able to work through student government when I was there. And, of course, pledged the greatest fraternity known to God and man, which is Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. And being able to work through that. And and so I got a good wealth of knowledge on how to build my self-confidence. Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and, and that's a big part of it. Sure. I mean, uh, so it sounds like um, it was familiar for you. Right. It, it's home. Right. And so that 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 added to the success already. Absolutely. Right? It kind of already built that foundation. And sometimes, you know, young people don't recognize that. Right. Um, I think we got another call. Sure. Calling in. But yeah, sometimes people don't, uh, young people don't necessarily recognize that. And then also, you left. You went to right. Dallas. I did. So, I did. So, so I think also your experience helped you say, okay, I want to broaden my horizon because what? I have the confidence now, right? right? Absolutely. And, and so I want people to make sure, and especially young people, to really hear that today. Sure. Uh, use the resources and tools that you have around you, right? right? And sometimes we, some, some of us may not have necessarily the wonderful family support that, that you've had. Uh, and I'm sure all of your friends didn't necessarily have the same, you know, kind of makeup in, in their families as well. But again, that family, of that togetherness, that's what it sounds like to me, uh, that you did have friends, like you said, that we're we're going to the same college. Um, Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, Yes, good afternoon. Uh, I guess it's afternoon by now. No, it's still morning. Still a little bit morning. Uh, Sir, uh, you're from Pine Bluff, you say? Yes, ma'am. 
I'm from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I'm a native, and so I've been living here um, most of my life. And um, I, I, I didn't realize that, you know, uh, that a Pine Bluff man was running for the attorney seat. Yeah, you heard uh, it here first. <laughs> Absolutely. Excuse, that's a wonderful thing to know. So um, uh, what I'm calling for and is and it's concern of is the crime that we have down here in Pine Bluff. Mm -hmm. It seems that it has kind of gone down as far as uh, people being killed and murdered. I haven't heard um, uh, a lot about that in the last two or three weeks. And I, I sit home and, you know, so I, I kind of try to keep up with what's going on as far as that goes. So, you know, we've been plagued with this uh, thing for quite a while now. What uh, what mechanisms do you have in place you, you to, on help the job curtail, now. <laughs> see. to help curtail this, this or to find, get to the bottom of why so much killing is going on in our beloved city? Because I love it here. Right. And it's a lot of people who do at, at, at my age group. I'm 67. And we can't, we're afraid to go outside of our door. We're going to let him answer that I question. I understand that Mrs. Um, Flowers, uh, I believe that was uh, Representative Flowers and uh, some more ladies, Ms. Mara Seals. Carla, we're going to let him answer that question. And, and uh, I, we, we, we've got about five minutes. Okay. okay. Got five thank minutes. you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank um, you for calling. And, and I, too, uh, have and will always have an affinity for Pine Bluff. I think that, um, well, one thing I will say, she had mentioned that the, um, the crime that she's been hearing about has been going down. And I would have to shout out to the mayor, uh, Shirley Washington, and the um, and the chief, um, the um, sheriff, uh, the Jefferson County Sheriff uh, Lafayette Wood Jr. I think they've been doing a phenomenal job. You know, young people have to have something to do. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things when I was growing up in the eight. I came of age in the eighties, mm -hmm. and so one of the things that our parents always did was make sure we had something to do. And when you don't have something to do, do that's something. when you do something. <laughs> and so and so I think a big part of what's happening in Pine Bluff and around the, the rest of the state as well is we have to get young people involved, whether that's woodworking, electrical. I mean, when I was at the Department of Labor, before I got there, of course, my big push was, hey, let's get these kids in college. Right. When I learned about the trades and what was happening in the trades from electrical to plumbers to um, woodworking to carpenters and so on and so forth, I am now on a big push to get these kids a trade. Yeah. If you're 19 years old and you're coming out of high school, 18, 19, and you can go and get an electrical master, electric, electrician's license by the time you're 23, and you could be making $90,000 a year without college debt, hey, let's get that going. Yeah. And you're talking about entrepreneurship, you're talking about economic development, you're talking about driving communities in a whole different direction. And so to the caller, I would say, let's figure out some programs. Um, there are great programs from baseball to basketball to soccer. Let's get these kids involved in programs, and I think that that will continue to help drive that crime rate down. Yeah, I want to get back to uh, just, just a little bit, we got a little bit of time left. Uh, how can uh, our audience and, and people out there, you, you, you've got uh, to, to November to 2022, you've got about uh, a little bit less than two years. 
to to get, build your campaign. But a big thing part of campaign is is fundraising. Right. Tell us about that. How can we help in 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 that process of you building your campaign and 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 over the next two. Uh, 18 months, what are we going to see coming from Leon and to get your name out there uh, uh, to the people of Arkansas? Thank you. So the, the the first thing you can do is go to my website. It's Leon Jones Jr., the number 4AG.com. That's Leon Jones Jr., the number 4AG.com. You can also give me a call, 501-920-5366, 501-920-LEON. So you can give me a call. You can go to my my website. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Leon4AG. Those are all the ways you can get involved. And when you go there, you can donate. You can get involved. I plan, again, like I said, to hit all 75 counties. Um, Right now during COVID, we don't have rallies. We don't have big meetings. Mm -hmm. We don't have big gatherings. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing, quite honestly, is working phones. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing is meeting with people one or two at a time so that we can get proper social distancing so that we can, uh, so everyone can feel safe. It's a, and that's another reason why I started my campaign so soon because I knew that during this COVID season, we have to do things differently, but Mm -hmm. the message still has to get out there. And so I'm doing it differently. I'm speaking to a small groups. So I'm speaking to two and three people at a time. And so those are the ways to get in touch with me. And please feel free to give, give me a call. Go to my website. Um, follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd love to uh, engage with you. And I, I want to remind the callers that, you know, for, to, for uh, right now, uh, for a statewide elective office, that takes uh, that's a big organization. That's oh, yeah. a lot of money. Oh yeah, and and that that number uh, to 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 run for governor, to run for the attorney general, to state offices, or even legislature, that number is getting out. I think one legislative race this year, but uh, brought in over a million dollars, uh, and that's unusual in the exactly. state of Arkansas. So exactly, it's going to take. Uh, uh, so get out there and support him. Not only. Uh, word of mouth telling people but but in in terms of in your pocketbook because sometimes the grassroots money is just as important as big dollars. oh absolutely all right well thank you so much again leon for being here um with us today that was and, fast yeah. it was fast it was fun <laughs> i like having fun and, 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 and you know what we're saying is that if we want to see the change we have to support the change and the support is our dollars right? absolutely yeah so we got to make sure that we elevate that and elevate people that are for the people mm-hmm. uh, and i think leon one thing that you said that that really resonated with me and maybe some others that are listening out there is relationships um um, knows no label and so that sounds like you're for the people and um, we always are looking for people that for the people Absolutely. all right again you look you've been listening to kbf 88.3 this is black consumer news of arkansas we'll be back here next wednesday from 11 a.m until 12 noon we want to say we thank you for participating with us today and we look forward to seeing you back here with us next wednesday at 11 and listen to the bcn <laughs> daily roundup every day on KBF. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much for joining us here on Black Consumer News. News that empowers. Have a great rest of your day.